are you a work pooper? Like, did you poop at work or are you a home pooper? Uh, I would have preferred to poop at home, but I had no choice. I'd have to poop at work, especially when I had an office job because I'm there at, you know, eight, whatever in the morning till yeah. five o'clock. And you had to do the deed. You have to. Uh, thankfully, I'm in a, you know, I was in a private office, so it was mostly clean, not too weird or yeah. gross or anything. They hadn't installed any of those anti-human angled toilets. Have you heard about those? No. What is that? So it's this thing that offices have started to do, the ones that really hate people, where the toilets are actually at like sort of a, an incline or a decline. I forget which way you put it. So you can't get comfortable on them, basically. You can sort of lean against them to poop. Ew. That's so cruel. You're sitting on them, but you can't like sit down. You have to like sit and then like you get uncomfortable really quickly. Yeah. It's supposed to increase productivity. Why can't people just poop? Like, I already think that pooping at the office is inhumane. Yeah, it sucks that you have to. You should be able to go home every time you need to poop. I truly think that you should be like, I have to go for half an hour to an hour. I need to poop at home. And I would be like, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Depending on the type of poop, I am going home for that. Yeah. I mean. You know, if it's anything other than a normal BM, if you will, I am like taking the day off the office and going home. (laughs) (laughs) Me and the toilet are going to spend some time together. But yes, I uh, am basically a clockwork pooper. Uh, every day my body expels at the exact same time. Now, are you one of these people that when you have like certain smells or something, it triggers you to have to poop? Have you heard about this? Uh, stress. Well, stress your stress is the pooper? only thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. If, uh, if anxiety gets too high, um, bathroom time. So yeah, when I worked in an office, there would be these things I had to do quarterly. Um, these big, yeah. big presentations that I'd have to work on. And those were directly with the owner of the company. And so, yeah, I was in the shitter every every time I yeah. wasn't in the, the CEO's office. I was pooping. Always be pooping. Yeah. Stress poop. I lost so much weight during those, those weeks of hell. Yeah, I think I'm a bit of a stress pooper too. Like when I have a family member who's sick or I'm really concerned about like a life or death situation, toilet time. Yeah. Well, I hope you're not having to be in a life or death situation too often. No, I mean, it's like one of those, like, once a, every couple of years where, like, when, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, like those yeah, situations. Almost, yep, get in a car accident and you just let it go. Well, um, I'm more of a bookstore. Like, I love books, as you know. And whenever I and go. And you just want to use them to wipe. No, but every time I go into a bookstore, I have to poop. I don't know what it <laughs> Why? is. What I, do you think it is? Okay, I've Hazard us a guess. I've heard two things that I think uh-huh. could be either one like the first one is the scent of the glue that's used to bind books it just triggers your for some people it's release so on reddit there was a conversation about that and somebody hazarded that it's like people who can when they eat cilantro it tastes like soap to them right but there's a certain percentage of the population that smells that glue and it causes bowel evacuations the other one is you know how like when you're little like, did you ever have to, like, read on the potty? Like, because they're like, you're going to be here until you do your thing. So you may as well read an Archie comic book. Lexi, I still read on the potty. <laughs> okay, so I think maybe that's it. Nowadays, everyone brings their phone in. But back in the day, we'd take, you know, like, Uncle John's yes. bathroom reader. And I would just sit there. Guinness Book of World Records. Learning useless. Oh, my God. That's what led us to this podcast. That's I kind of wonder. Uncle John's bathroom reader of, like, completely useless facts but do you do you maybe think that that's what it is that like you're so ingrained to be like read books oh, go potty I see your point that you're like yeah. so many books must get to toilet to read them i don't know mm. i don't know it doesn't work that way for me but i think that you have a workable hypothesis we could put this into, into a test a trifold and present at uh, <laughs> that is a science, science fair, fair. 
<laughs> just show up at a grade school science fair. Why do you got to poop? I would be so curious to know, like, because, you know, you're at chapters and everybody's walking around just reading books. I want to know, like, hey, show my hands. Who here needs to go to these? Anybody? Anybody need to drop a deuce? <laughs> there was a time in my life I wouldn't talk about poop. No. Uh, and that was before having kids and having excrement shotgunned into my face more than once. Did I ever tell you about how I accidentally got poop water in my mouth? No, but did I tell you how I had poop shot into my mouth? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, you have. Let's hear which about is why how I you got poop it. water in your mouth. You were just really thirsty. During cold snaps, Alfie the dog does not like to go outside. Because he is tiny. Mm-hmm. He's a tiny little guy. Oh, no. Dog poop water? Well, and so he had, Is that better or worse? Okay, well, let me tell you, Ben. Because okay, please. Because he, he, sh- he shat inside the house and was very sad about it. Mm-hmm. And it was like a little compact turdlet. And I picked it up with a paper towel and put it in the toilet. But I wasn't really expecting mm-hmm. it to be as, like dense as it was and so it splashed and a little bit of water went in my mouth Mm. and i was like am i gonna die did you throw up and then i thought of you i didn't okay i didn't get sick but i immediately thought of you and all the like yeah the shit that you've had in your mouth folks if you're changing a diaper do not make the rookie mistake of putting your face down towards no the bottom to check on things you do that from the side not from the bottom. This is the voice of experience right Pro here. Pro tip. Pro tip. Uh, yeah, the fact that it happened more than once with two different kids is like a fucking badge of uh, or is that a, badge a great of indicator honor? of how stupid. I was going to say badge of my idiocy, yeah. but. Is that a story that you tell them when they're older? Like when they're like. I don't care. I have no shame anymore. I used to be very like reserved about everything. Like I wouldn't burp around people. Like I thought it was disgusting. Mm. Like I found all sort of bodily functions to be awful and then you have kids and they just do awful things and i don't know if it's gallows humor it or something you just have to like find it funny or else you die and like now like oldest kid is four and everything's pee and poo and, and the younger one takes to that as well like i'm in a pee hole like okay like, what suppose you are little bud i guess so yeah swimming in poo poo ha 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 wow everything's pee and poo at this well, point i mean you know so yeah find it funny or or die <laughs> Fun here, die. <laughs> just this collapse under the weight of the adjustment to your lifestyle that you never expected. Oh, that's fair. That makes sense. Uh, that leads me into our intro topic for today, which is uh, mosquitoes. <laughs> so because this is a part two episode to like children's books, illustrators. <laughs> As you do, yeah. Uh, we did Legendary, now we're doing mod- mm-hmm. Modernity. Modernity? Blech. Modern, yeah. Current, topical illustrators. And we opened that last episode with your great story about the Senkebetsu bear incident. Bear, yeah. And all that murder. And so I was like, well, okay, what, what animals actually kill the most humans? And it's it's mosquitoes. Mosquitoes, By yep. far. Like five, six times as many as anything else uh, due to yep, transfer of diseases. The... Yeah. Yep. Uh, over... It, now, is it o- only malaria that they... No, there's Zika virus. There's like... 15 bajillion oh. different viruses they transmit, which is why Oof. they lead to such a high number of deaths. They just are vectors for everything, apparently, and like other mm-hmm. other microscopic organisms that kill us. Uh, and they're just carrying them around. So with that in mind, our most dangerous animal in the world, the mosquito, here's some uh, mosquito facts for you. Oh, fun. Over 1 million humans murdered by mosquitoes a year. Wow. Some years up to closer to 5 mil. 5 million a year from mosquitoes. Five wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they're just fucking killing us. That's I had no idea. That's a that's outrageous. Like amazing isn't the right word. It's it's wild. Horrific. Okay. Okay. They, we should yeah, all be much is. much more scared of mosquitoes than we are. Yes. 
Absolutely. They're so ubiquitous. Uh, as I said, the deadliest animal to humans, uh, I believe the next up is humans on that list of what Makes kills sense. us the yeah. most. And yeah. we're not even close. Like it's, like I said, like no. five or six times more uh, mosquitoes. And you'd think we'd be the most efficient murderers of other humans, but we're not. No, not when you've got like Zika virus on your side. Yeah. Wow. So put that into perspective, I guess. Uh, this one surprised me. They drink nectar from flowers. All mosquitoes drink nectar. Hmm. And they're also a pollinator. I was going to ask if they're pollinators. Interesting. They are. Wow. Not a significant pollinator, which is going to be a theme throughout these facts. Oh. Aside from murdering humans, mosquitoes are not significantly worthwhile at doing anything else. So if we wipe them off the face of the planet, not a big loss. It was coming okay. up. Yeah, apparently they would have a negligible impact. Some animals would lose a food yeah. source for a while and probably adjust. Hmm. Well, I think we found our answer. Yeah, uh, there's change.org <laughs> petitions about murdering. So not all mosquitoes suck blood, though, either. There are uh, 3,500, over 3,500 species, and not all of them actually drink blood. Oh. And moving right along our lovely little list here, females oh. are the only ones that do drink blood oh. of certain species. The males don't, but they apparently need to have that blood meal to incubate eggs or some shit. Okay. Yeah, so they're the only ones that kill. They also live 42 to 56 days, which doesn't sound like a lot until you find out that the male mosquito, just 10 days. Wow, that's a lot of pressure. Got a lot to <laughs> do in 10 days. A lot. Actually, really just one thing. Well, I'm, but that's what I mean about the pressure to perform. Got 10 days here, buddy. Uh, yeah, I don't know what this Let's go. population breakdown is, but yeah, they uh, they mm. live, they do one thing, and they move on. So you could say mosquitoes are a matriarchal society, I think. Of bloodsuckers. Of bloodsuckers. There's great. a lot here. It's a lot to unpack, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is wild. I had no idea. But apparently during a full moon, mosquitoes bite up to 500% more. What? They're vampires. Nobody knows why, but they do. Weird. The pull, the gravitational pull. Something, yeah. Something wow. is pulling that like liquid in them out to the moon or Wild. whatever. They also hate garlic. They're vampires. Now, they hate a lot of other things too, but garlic is up there. They hate lavender. They hate lemon. Mm. They hate marigolds. Little gardening fact from Ben to you folks is marigolds are great for keeping away most pest species mm. in your garden. As is lemongrass. Lemongrass is great for it as well. Yep. And uh, some garlic scapes. Didn't know the garlic scapes. Hey, good to know. Good to know. Yeah. And then finally, mosquitoes prefer drunks. Also vampires. Apparently, we, we off-gas some shit. Yeah, vampires will take down an easy meal. Yeah. Or if they just want to get drunk themselves. I mean... As you know, the only way for a vampire to get drunk is to suck the blood of a tipsy co-ed. Have you seen What We Do in the Shadows, the TV show? Yes. Yeah, perfect example. I'm up to season five now on that show. Oh. At first, when I tried to watch it the first time... I was like, this is just the movie again, the yeah. first season. I was like, but not so as good. And then better. we get past that and it just changes a lot. It's a, We should do an episode on that. It is one of my most... Are you caught up yes. on it? That's fantastic. It's a lot of fun. It's my most favorite, like one of my top five TV shows. It's awesome. Uh, Colin, is is that the name of the energy vampire? Colin Robinson, Colin yes. Colin Robinson. We talk about how I have energy vampires in my life, like when I worked... Um, <laughs> I you're going like, to like name. reveal yourself as an energy vampire. no. Because there was one time, I, like when I in my previous role, I've had to meet with lots of people outside of. Ooh, 
Someone's that getting... was uh, a rip it and grip it moment, oh, as wow. I would say. Oh, my brother, my brother, <laughs> and me. The oldest brother will occasionally pop open a soda while they're recording. And everyone decides to stop the show to make sure everyone knows that he's drinking. It's, it's a bubbly, folks. He's got a bubbly here. No, but there was I was in a meeting with a person. Limited edition watermelon. I, mean, I was in this meeting with a person, and John could hear, because it was during the pandemic lockdown, and he could hear me in the meeting. And when I came downstairs, he was like, that was the definition of an energy vampire. Like he was like, oh my God, let this meeting be over. It's so boring. Because we were talking about <laughs> the logistics of contract work and liability. And it was just so boring. And he's like, are you exhausted now? Like, I kind of am. He's like, you've been calling Robinson. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds boring. You've been Colin Robinson. The uh, season where he is reverted to spoilers. Spoilers. So funny. A baby. Apparently, a lot of people hate that, but I think it's, it's fucking fantastic. So I think funny. that's Colin Robinson at his most interesting because I thought he was kind of played out by that season. Lasso, guess what? What? Do you know what Nolene is? It's a- hey! So, Nolene is this thing in Legos where you like organize all the pieces before you build. Once I learned how to knoll, I threw away all my Lego instruction booklets. Fantastic. Then you take this glass cutter, cut a hole in here. But Lazo, guess what? What? I used Nolene when I got that Stranger Things Lego set. I used it to make the library and the Music Man, which is... Boy, we don't have time for this right now. Let's get on. Okay, but Lazo, guess what? I'm sorry, what is it that you wanted to say? That set broke, so I shoved all the pieces under the bed. Okay. I like when he's the teen, like the moody teenager, but it's still like the same mm-hmm. actor but just with like oh a god when he's running around as like the baby and the toddler with that face yeah. superimposed on so it and it's good. like awful but good yeah i gotta finish season it's five um, so fantastic yeah. those are my mosquito facts let's uh let's do what we do and hit the thematic song Welcome back to the show. This is Dork Matters, a dorky podcast for dorks, and I'm your dad dork host, Ben Rankle, and with me is Lexi Hunt, your Ed Dorkator. Mellow. Dork, 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 mellow? Mellow. Meow. I like to pretend to be a cat sometimes, because I think it really lightens the mood. Do you remember how college Ashley would always go, ahoy hoy? No, but I love that. Oh, shit. It was her <gasps> birthday yesterday. She oh, texted ahoy, her. birthday, Ashley. Ashley, if you listen to this, we're recording the day after your birthday, and you are on our Dad mind. Happy birthday, birthday pal. Ahoy <laughs> hoy, if you will. I think she stole it from Mr. Burns. Ahoy hoy? I mean, it's a great, it's a, it's a how they were supposed to answer the telephone. Absolutely. We are back. This is our part two of children's book illustrators. Uh, we mm-hmm. did, as I mentioned, the legendary ones last week. Mm-hmm. And we are going to get into the modern illustrators that we, we dig. Yeah. Because that's what we do. Sometimes we do media. Sometimes we do games. Sometimes we talk about illustrators. Yeah. We are legion. Eclectic. Eclectic, that's better. Eclectic, yeah. Eclectic. What's on the docket? Who do we want to talk about? What do we love about modern illustrators? What do we hate? Uh, I like the range in style that is now available. Mm -hmm. 
I you can kind of walk into a bookstore and find any number of things that is really like a collage or hand-drawn, watercolor, lino, digital. Do you find some of the modern stuff to be a little over, over, I don't know what the right term is. Some of it doesn't feel as warm as older stuff to me. Mm. It's missing something. It feels a little more cool or a little more machine made, if you will. I do think that there's a level of perfectionism that has previously not been there in children's picture books. Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, like mistakes and dirt and grime and, you know, all that is part of the charm sometimes. But yeah, they're they're also clean now. uh, a friend of mine was telling me that anytime he does his digital work, he'll, he works in pen and paper first, mm. does all the painting, gouache, pencil, crayon, and then he puts it into Photoshop and then just continues to work it. And I was like, my God, like, at what point are you done? Like, that just seems like yeah. it's too many layers of stuff. But I, I don't know. What do I know? No, digital art is interesting. It's taken away some of the texture mm-hmm. and grit that we, you know, enjoy. But nowadays there are, you know, brush makers and stuff yeah. that have added a lot of that back in. And yeah, it's interesting. But I do find, yeah. I don't know if sanitized is the right word because that su- suggests some sort of intentional effort to make things too clean or whatever. But it's just, it's sometimes lacking in mm-hmm. charm or warmth. And then when you find a modern artist who can work that in and you know they work digitally anyhow, it's yeah. it's almost magical. It is. There's a couple people that are on our list that I'd say they're masters of lighting in their yeah. illustration. And it's something that's really difficult to do, I find. And that's absolutely one of the things that I think is missing from a lot of like modern illustrators for kids is like they don't think about lighting or staging, mm-hmm. et cetera, or, or like a sense of place. It's just like, I can make a shape on a page and that's a story. Yeah. Well, and that's the interesting thing about children's illustration. And well, I guess like any type of book that has a strong reliance on illustration is it comes back to the illustrator, the artist creating it because so Mm -hmm. many young, young children's picture book writers, like there's not a lot to it. Mm. Like the shape is on the page. The page is on the shape. Like it's not like you're writing like Tolstoy, you know, it's just like, it's pretty basic. And so it's, dependent on the artist's vision to really make it come alive. This is interesting to me because there are certain ones uh, in like the modern, I don't know, canon that can mm-hmm. make this work. Uh, John Clausen comes to mind, yeah. simple shapes, but like really makes them work, but not always simple. Like, you know, like you can see his work there, but there's somebody like Roger Hargreaves who did like the Mr. Min books. And for some reason, those are super simplistic, but there's a charm and warmth to them that mm-hmm. wouldn't exist if you did that nowadays. It would just look lazy. And I wonder why that is. I guess I don't know. Like it's, it's just the shitty scanning uh, techniques that they had. Me, like, I kind of wonder because that was a big part of art school when we were there was using the photocopier. God, I remember that right? project. It was fucking dumb. I was like, why do I got to use a photocopier to make texture? So much photocopying. But I do kind of wonder if... And we had to pay per copy. That machine was a we fucking We absolutely joke. did. We are all sitting there popping quarters in that motherfucker or whatever it was taking. Mm-hmm. Or like <laughs> ACAD specific like credit cards or whatever the shit they made us get. Yeah, where you have to use your ID card that's the yeah, yeah. to buy you scan it everything. and then you get a bill later for like $3,000 for your 50 scans. <laughs> Just go do more. Process, process, process. So, and on that side of things, I think that's why digital art is you can work something a million times over and it's not going to cost you 
Mm-hmm. The cost of replacing paintbrushes and paint and paper. Sure. Yeah. No, the yeah. barrier to entry is much lower now if you can get your hands. I mean, that's hard to say. I, I go back and forth on it. I guess the barrier to publishing is easier, but like, but, you know, there's no entry to grabbing a piece well, of paper and, but getting your work out there to an audience, that's, that's, that's much easier to do now. Um, you can find your own. But even still, when I worked at McNally Robinson many years ago, I worked in the children's picture book second. Rest in peace. Oh, I loved it so much. At least Calgary. The Calgary one and, and I think all but the Winnipeg one. Winnipeg's yeah. still there, yeah. But I remember saying to my boss at the time, Rhonda. Help me, Rhonda. Help, help me, Rhonda. Help me, Rhonda. Get her out of my mind. She was saying that it's the hardest industry to break into mm. and maintain. Mm. That if you want to self-publish or one and done it, like that's that's viable. But mm-hmm. to build a following in children's picture books is really difficult. I've heard from a few different people that you also have to maintain a pretty stoic uh, online presence as well. Yeah. Uh, or publishers aren't even going to give you a sniff if you're a sort of person like me who's willing to talk about poop and shit and politics online. Uh, it wouldn't matter or you have to kind of live this persona. And again, we'll get into some of the, the personas of people that are on persona, our list. Yeah. Whimsical or very neutral, like mm-hmm. you say. Like you can't be questionable because then people are your liability. That said, the other side of that is if you bring up enough of a following and go to a publisher with it and be like, mm-hmm. I got 50,000 followers, you know, we can convert that into X number yeah. of sales. They'll be like, we don't care what you do then. We will publish you. Yeah, but you have to demonstrate that you're bankable. Yeah, but I guess from the very basic idea of like eyeballs on your work, you know, it's never been easier. You got your tumblers and your blog posts and your... But is that easy? Because there's so much to look at that how do you stand out? That's true. Because that's... A while ago, I posted a comic on Reddit and I was really proud of it and it just got ripped to shreds because it's Reddit, whatever. I recall. But... They'd never seen a... uh, a iconic representation of a nose before and it just blew <laughs> yes! their fucking minds. I was like, look they at any goddamn picture book from the last minds. like 20 years and half of the right? artists will do an iconographic uh, representation of a nose. Like triangle noses are the thing, my bitches. That's it. And it's not like, it is not new. And absolutely. But not I new. do find that there's some people that, um, that play around with that specific, like the triangle nose or the red kind of yeah, nose yeah. tip, like that kind if of you thing. you came out of ACAD, you're doing like, what is that called? The blood sheen under the cheeks. Like a cheeks. rosy treat, Anywhere yeah. where like the skin is thinner, you've been taught to put like a little bit mm-hmm. of a blush on there. And that's like a yep. signature of having gone to Alberta College of Art and Design. Yeah. Rosy cheeks and noses. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just felt like I got ripped to shreds for that one. And I thought like, geez, a Looks like there's a hole in their face. I was like, you fucking Philistines. Yeah, like that's disgusting. You don't know what you're talking about. And I about. was like, oh my God. <laughs> it was a good comics, Lex. <laughs> Fuck those Thank fuckers. you. Well, I'm not bankable, so <laughs> no one's touching me with a ten foot pole. I feel like your persona well, probably isn't overly uh, problematic on the internet. It's. I don't think it is, but at the same time, too, it's not enough. Like you're also not like aggressively trying to no, seek out publishing. I just. I, I say this. I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm really not. I also think that like my drawings are cute and passable. I don't think they're that good and so when i see like some of the folks that we're going to talk about here they are like s tier level another level and yeah when mm-hmm. i see I what they're you. putting out i'm like i don't have a hope in hell of breaking I mean, into that type of sure. world i mean 
accepting though where you are at with your skill level, you have also built a career doing something completely different, right? Yeah, and it's it's a bummer. So if you spent all that time, <laughs> if you spent all the time that you spent building your very successful career yeah. doing illustration, you would be in a different place, yeah. definitely. And the other thing is nobody's gonna really for the most part come and find you either. You have to seek yeah. out work. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people expect to just get plucked up and magically given a mm-hmm. career and that does not generally work that no, way. You have to be very It's a lot of hustle. I liken it to Mario 1 where, you know, you're sort of swimming. This goes for comics as well as illustration, but like you're swimming along but you have to keep pressing the A yeah. button to go up or else you're going to sink down and go like you're dead. It's always work. It actually there's You got to um, work, you got to look for work, you got to talk to people, network, etc. It would have been uh, lovely to have gotten some more working illustrator to chat with us, but maybe we'll get to do that one, one day. day. That'd be fun. I, there's, uh, do you know, I can't remember her actual name, but her online presence, um, Loish, who... Yeah, um, absolutely. She has a Patreon, and every so often she posts some of her Patreon videos on Instagram, and she posted a picture the other day about, or a video the other day about the yeah. imposter syndrome. But one thing that I took yeah. away from it is she is a, a person that I would consider to be very established, very successful, very competent, super talented, hardworking person. And as she's kind of going through this video, it demonstrates how she's always practicing. She's continuing mm-hmm. to draw, do studies, play around with um, new materials and media. And it's Re-examine yeah. your own work to figure out, you know, what you need to do differently. You're never done. And like, yeah, even if you know that you need to do that, it actually takes time mm-hmm. and effort and and sit down, to, you know, to. It's do not it. like you just sit down and are like, oh, I'm just going to draw and be perfect at it. It's it's and a practice. It's it's so much work. There's a lot of communication involved with it as well that you have to learn. Even yeah, I mean, we know it's yeah. art. It seems easy, it but isn't. it isn't unless you talk about AI, and then that's a whole different fucking thing. <laughs> Yeah, whole different thing. AI, they stealing our jobs. They came, came for the first, artists yeah. first. Who would have expected? <laughs> Let's get going. We could probably wax poetic or moronic. I forget <laughs> what the expression wax is poetic, uh, yeah. about sort of the idea of of art as mm-hmm. a career, and we probably should at some future episode. But for now, let's get into some mm-hmm. of our favorites. Let's let's chat about them. Drop a few of the things that we like about them. Uh, some books that they're doing, and keep going. Let's okay. rapid it. Rapid, rapid fire. fire. Rapid, rapid dash. dash. Oh god, I guess we know what we're doing for who's rapid that Pokemon? Ash. Should we do it early? Da na 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 na. Who's that Pokemon? It's Rapid Dash. It's Rapid Dash. Okay, we're moving on. That's that's who's that Pokemon okay. today. <laughs> Here we go. You're first up. Shantan. Shantan is I one I am not familiar Shantan. with. I have to look up Shantan. So Shantan is the master writer, creator, illustrator of many books, including thing, uh, The Lost Thing, um, The Rabbits, The Red Tree, like so many wonderful picture books. There is an aesthetic here that feels very like 90s to me, mm-hmm. this sort of... A little bit. Yeah, it looks hey? like like the stinky cheese man and stuff from the nineties. Like that sort of almost like it's not collage, but it's got that vibe, especially yeah. in some of these titles and stuff that I'm looking at. What I really like about the books is that they tend to tackle topics that are a little more um serious. So the rabbits are about like colonialism and land mm-hmm. appropriation. Um mm. and the red tree is about this is up my alley. like childhood depression and what it is to feel lonely. There's so many great books that I use as a teacher, and especially a teacher of literacy, that uh, I use The Arrival is one of my most favorite books ever because it's completely uh, no words. It's just pictures. So this isn't the one that the movie's based off of, Which is one? It? The Arrival? No. 
no, no. <laughs> with the aliens no. and they all talk in ink splotches. They don't. It's a different. It's a different topic, but same. Okay, different name. arrival. It's about like what it is to be an immigrant in a new land, not knowing the mm. language or the culture, and having to just kind of muddle through. And it's these look beautiful. fantastic. He's very prolific, yes. and I'm surprised I don't know about him already. Um, I really highly recommend Sean Tan for people. And there's a couple of videos and um, articles you can find online where he talks about his process. And so he typically would work really large panels, and I think in oil paint and um, just layers of layers and layers of great, beautiful mark making. What I really like about the style is he can really kind of overcomplicate a picture where there's so mm. much going on and every time you look at it, you see something new. Or he does these really beautiful, stark, one person in a giant field with a big, beautiful sky. And it really and it works. works. So Sean Tan for the win. I'm going to say my most favorite current children's picture book illustrator. Oh, I don't even know if I could pick a current one yet, but that's great. I am yeah. literally on Amazon, which I hate. I hate you, Jeff Bezos. Fuck you, but I... <laughs> You know, I live in society. I can't escape yeah. how, how to buy books easily online. You know what? Fuck that. I'll, I'll go to a, a brick-and-mortar store tomorrow and look for some yeah. Sean Tan books. Sean Tan. Sean Tan. My guy. Love Sean it. Sean Tan. I like saying it very Sean fast, Tan, Sean, Tan, Sean, Sean Tan. Tan. Yeah. He's great. A Sean Tan. I think he's Australian. I can't remember. He's Australian. Yeah. yeah. I just looked it up. Yeah, he is Australian. Australian. Great. Awesome dude. Sean Tan, cool. Let's go on to a second, which is a controversial one. You have put this on the list, but yeah. let's just discuss the controversy no, here. And the dis- I'm, I'm really interested. <laughs> so the next one is Oliver Jeffers. I quite like Oliver Jeffers. Why do you not? Uh, I find his books sort of lacking in, like they feel like stream of consciousness and I feel like there's not, mm. it's for most of them, there are a couple that I like, but like they don't feel yeah. like a story as much as somebody just like, thinking one thing and then thinking the next and putting them on paper and never really building a like beginning and middle or end out of them. I think it depends on the, like I hear what you're saying. Cause I, I would agree that some of them are that kind of stream of consciousness, but there's a couple that are great. So there are a couple I like, I like, here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, the one sort of about earth. I really yeah. enjoy that one. And, uh, one of his earlier ones, which I believe was how to catch a star. Yes, I really enjoy that one. That's a great one. Uh, I'm, the name escapes me. There's one where he writes about, um, death and like the loss of a grandparent and it was so poignant and simple and what i really like about oliver jeffers styles is that it is unclean it definitely has that same sort of vibe almost as shantan and that it looks like it's a like an album cover for a 90s like alternative band there's a style that i can't describe but that's what how this is how i explain it i do i hear what you're saying because it kind of seems like the smashing pumpkins Circa 1992. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's like a texture to it and some like somebody's put grunge on everything. that's what I like about it is that it's imperfect in a world mm-hmm. of perfection. And there's so many like the heads of the characters are kind of oblong. It's kind of like Hey Arnold in that weird mm-hmm. like the characters aren't necessarily beautiful. Yeah, I guess I... I don't, I guess here, one of the issues for me is that the aesthetics of it are not appealing to me personally, while still appreciating yeah. that they're well done. But yeah, What Will Build is also another one that I actually did like and can appreciate like, you know, he's using lighting and stuff and yeah. he's making those choices. Like it's, it's nice. And uh, my, my kids don't really yeah. enjoy the books, which is part of it. Now, these are completely wild things to not like about him, but one of them is that I dislike 
the way he looks as a human being. <gasps> so judgmental. Not as like his actual like physical appearance, but the way he styles mm. himself is just so over the top. Like, like I went to art school and I want everyone to know it all the time. And I'm just like, mm. settle down, dude. Like, But that's what I mean about like that online persona of like, bleh. you have a mustache yeah, totally. where the ends are curled. And I don't like it, but I guess it must work for other people. But yeah, he's like basically trying to make himself look like a, you know, a sailor or something. He looks like a, a children's picture book author. Like he wears like a little hat. But one who like spends all his time cheating on his wife or something. No, <laughs> That's I the don't vibe think I get. That I am not saying him. that is who he is. I'm sure he's a very lovely human being. I'm just saying that for me, his online persona, which is what we're talking about, isn't mm-hmm. doing it for me. And it actually dissuades me from enjoying his books. I see. I look at him and like when he posts videos or pictures of his studio, that's like that. I love that idea of like this old kind of like wooden, yeah, lots of drawers and feathers and shit and stuff like that. Absolutely. No, the desk on that picture where he's sitting, yeah. but like he's got like friggin' like string lights hanging above and we're artists. Oh, we know no, that but- he's not using those for lighting. So that's there for aesthetic for the photo to look like a, an artsy space. Uh, no, I would push back. I'd say I would use a good light in addition to those because you like to feel a little mystical. It's not your main light. It is. You know what? You're right. It is magical. And that studio right? looks magical. And that's a yes. great freaking desk for storing drawings and everything. And look, he's got the craft mm-hmm. paper roll on the side so he can just roll that out and scribble whenever he wants. Well, plus he's got little kids and they come to the studio with him and they draw. Mm. He's probably fucking wonderful. So my my quibbles aside, uh, I think my only real fair argument is that the books are just lacking in sort of charm to me personally. And whereas I think that they are just lousy with charm <laughs> and adorableness. Uh, what's next on our list? Let's leave Oliver Jefferson. Leave Oliver Jefferson. <laughs> leave alone. Oliver alone. Uh, the next one we have is Dave McKean. Now I am going to re-familiarize myself with Dave McKean real quick, but I do know Dave McKean. Why don't you give us some of his work? So Dave McKean is, uh, he typically works with folks like Neil Gaiman. And so he has illustrated the day I swap my dad for two goldfish or wolves in the walls. And again, that kind of. Oh, and these are some kids books that he's doing. Kids See, books. Yeah. Mirror mask. You've got a, you've got a type I've here. I've got a type. Lex, yeah, this is the same sort of, like there is an aesthetic through line yes. here for these three, Sean Tan, Oliver Jeffers and Dave McKean yep. here. Absolutely. You can see my style 100% or my... That collage sort of late like, 90s look. Pretty, like someone's taken dirt and kind yeah. of rubbed it over. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's fun that we at least are finding yeah. that. But even like the characters are a little bit ugly or they're not yeah. perfect yeah. and they're... They're so weird. I really, if you haven't read Mirror Mask, it is so good. Well, it's the one they made that uh, Netflix film off of, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know if it was Netflix, but the there's... Animi- it was an animation no, of some sort, right? And it was a- there's a real life Mirror Mask. And so it has oh, it people like Rob Brydon um, from the UK. And it's it's wonderful. I guess in my mind, I just see the cover, like the, the movie poster for it and mm-hmm. just assumed everything in the movie just looks like that. No, but it has that kind of like you're looking through a backwards mirror. I never watched oh, it's it. It's so good, Ben. Is it? Is it really? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was lovely because it has this kind of like circus, mm-hmm. like dark circus feel, which again is that early Absolutely. 90s kind of weird yeah. gothic. Yeah. But I, I love his style. He does some uh, graphic novels. uh Raptor is one of his most recent ones, but he's also done a bunch of children's picture books, but a little more dark, I'd say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you don't get to work with uh, old, old Neil G unless you... Unless you're a little that, bit dark. Unless you got that Edgar Allan Poe energy going yeah. through you. I like... A, I'm a little bit of the sad girl motif of like Edgar Allan Poe, <laughs> Lydia from Beetlejuice. Absolutely. I love it. Man, this is reminding me of that illustration you did for our oldest... Um, 
of oh. that little dinosaur with the shadow and yeah. it's like a, a topi uh, sort of uh, shadow. That thing is beautiful. Oh, thank you. If you, you ever decide to like just make your own book, do it in that style. It's fantastic. Thank you. That's very cool. Simple figures with just like wildly detailed like environments or even yeah, just shadows, shadows would be yeah. so cool. Uh, all right, let's let's keep moving, moving, mm-hmm. moving. Uh, next up, you have wow. I guess you front loaded this list. I Julie <laughs> McLaughlin. Julie McLaughlin, we love you, Julie oh, McLaughlin. McLaughlin. My apologies. Yeah, Julie McLaughlin is uh, a a cohort, a contemporary of ours from art school, and Julie, I think, is just she personifies what I would um, say a modern illustrator. Mm can be like her work is like she's a heavy hitter i think she is so freaking talented and then also just like a real good human Mm. and she's the type of person where i've over the years like i wouldn't say that we were friends in art school just because our circles never really crossed Mm -hmm. but i got to know her through some mutual friends um a few times and i've reached out to her and she's always offered amazing advice and support and kindness even though she doesn't really know me and i think like just just a great person. Now, fun fact, I didn't know this because I am not familiar with her work and I'm also an art school mm-hmm. dropout. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, apparently was a uh, visual communication um, classmate of Fiona's. So yes. that's cool. Yes. Yeah. So she's won tons of awards. And so my favorite work of hers, you can check out her website, What Would Julie Draw? But she has this poster that she sent me the digital file because I loved it so much. But it was actually an illustration she did for a conference of women in physics and science. And it's just the coolest, most beautiful little picture ever. So I highly recommend any any of the work that Julie's done. The best thing about doing this episode is basically, and same as last episode, was me being able yeah. to like pop out and get a whole bunch of new books for the kids. Because uh, if you have kids and you have to read books, they get really boring, boring really fast. fast there's only yeah. so many times in a row you can read one of these books and you're just like i need something else there are books which are usually the ones that are going to make the list for me where i can go mm-hmm. back to them over and over again and it uh yeah it does not get too tiring um but yeah no it's been a real blessing i hate that fucking word uh yeah, it's no, been it's really a... lovely to find some new books to check out uh, she has one book called pride puppy and i think that you'd like it because it's really it's a beautiful Oh, and she's book. done work for Owl Magazine. I am pretty jelly. She sure has. That's such a great, mm-hmm. great pick. I'm really looking forward. Uh, we're growing theater lovers. Looks like a fun one, too. Yeah. The Vegetable Museum. Some of these look dope. Some of these are just covers for prose books, too. So i got to sort that out. But Wicked. Good choice. Mm-hmm. Who's next on our list? We have... Yeah. Joy Ang. This is a pick I think both Joy of us Aang. would have put on here. Uh, Joy is another contemporary from school for us um, and also a fantastic illustrator. Mm-hmm. For me, the book that stands out is one that I have read a million times and it's fun to read every time. It is a book that Joy did uh, working with a sort of Instagram influencer and it's called Kobe Eats Pizza. And uh, it's about this like Instagram chef <laughs> kid who makes food on his Instagram account. And uh, this one specifically is about pizza. And I love this one. Like Joy is just a fantastic illustrator. Like really she did. Do you remember the uh, comic anthology that she did? Yes. Yeah, I sure do. She worked on arranging with, I think Kim Smith, who's also on our list, but Mm -hmm. yeah, those two like just beautiful books and yeah, 
my oldest son loves Kobe Eats Pizza and has like tried to be Kobe Eats Pizza. And we go back to this book at least once a week because it is so beautiful and vibrant and exciting for us. Joy's another one where I'd say like her work is very, um, like it's dreamlike. Like there's some fantastical elements to it. And every time you look at the images, there's something, there's a new level to it that's so beautiful and dreamlike. Just like with like the first few people that we were talking about, like the ones that you've enjoyed, I think if you look at this contemporary sort of class from our art school, mm-hmm. you're going to see some similarities in the work. And yeah. I guess that's from having similar instructors, but they're all very, very skilled. Yeah. Just fantastic. Who's next on our list? We got to keep going. So I, I deeply apologize. I'm going to say the name wrong, even though I've practiced it a few times. Now that I'm on the spot, I'm going to say it wrong. So this is Powitz Gerlinski, who is an online find that I absolutely fell in love with his Instagram because it's similar kind of style to everything that we've kind of talked about, like with Joy and Julie so far. This is a Polish illustrator who has an amazing online presence and does these really fantastic kind of like outdoor scenes where like bears or people and they're camping and they're Mm. it's that kind of like anamorphic type world and then everybody has like rosy little cheeks and they're all drinking like hot cocoa and I think that Powett probably has one of the strongest understandings of lighting in children's illustration today like the pages glow they're beautiful now did they go to school with us I don't know they did okay no but they could have they could have yeah because the style is so probably like similar i'd say to that era that we went to art school uh is it powett or powell powett oh i'm having trouble finding them then p-a-w-e-t gerlinski g-i-e-r-l-i-n-s-k-i yeah i found an illustrator but they are p-a-w-e-l gerlinski oh there you go that it's been I think it is the same, same person? person. I got autocorrected here. So it is the same person. Yes. Oh, autocorrect, autocorrect you yeah. son of a bitch. So I'm looking at this and one thing that I'm noticing that Powell does really well is like sort of incorporating yes. texture and warmth into Very these, much so. you know, these, these illustrations, they feel a little warmer, but they've definitely got that modern look to them, don't they? Just gorgeous little noticing some uh iconic noses here so let's not let reddit check these out uh-huh <laughs> they'll lose their mind oh these are cute mm-hmm. really enjoy these um fantastic do you have a, a title by them that you'd recommend no because most of the work that i've seen um comes from online gotcha so i haven't actually seen any books that Powell has created but um just absolutely gorgeous cool. all right we're getting to one that's actually one of my picks finally goodness gracious <laughs> This is what I get for writing in the shared notepad too late. We have uh, illustrator Chris Hofton is how I want to pronounce it. I'm not sure if it's Hofton or Hofton. It looks like Hofton, but it could be. be. But yeah, when you get that GH, it can sometimes be an F sound, right? Like, yeah. So Chris Hofton is one that I found from having kids Mm -hmm. and uh, also Instagram as well, but just really striking beautiful color work iconic art very much so this is somebody who is clearly working like you know in modern wow. styles and shapes but is just making some very wonderful choices with the colors that they're using mm-hmm. and uh you know you can see some ivan Earl influences yeah. especially in like the trees and stuff like that they're whimsical but like i want 
to find the right words to describe them. Um, I believe some of them are done with paper cutout. They look like it, yeah. Uh, and I'm only realizing that now. I was just going to assume that they weren't, but I'm looking at a like demo video that he put up, and it looks like he's actually illustrated all of these with cut paper. Mm-hmm. And that's fucking awesome. They're beautiful. Yeah, they're construction paper. Kind of like 1950s type colors, hey? Like that kind mm. of new wave, almost like mod yeah. kind of approach to color. Like not 50s, 60s, yeah. And that sort of like high uh, discord. But they're just like striking and beautiful to me. And when you get into like a sea of sort of same samesy kids books, yeah, when you run across an artist who is unique and stands out and just interesting like the cover for oh no george kills me every time i see it or don't worry little crab um the first book i read by him and my favorite still is we have a plan (laughs) and it's just about these little figures that are trying to catch a brightly colored bird in this very dark blue atmosphere and it you know they're doing a shit job of it and it's a beautiful and adorable um but then when i came across don't worry little crab that became my instant favorite and it's about just sort of like you know, being a parent and, and, and bringing your child out into the larger world and how they mm-hmm. are going to experience that. It's it's beautifully told through like sort of an allegory of a mm-hmm. big crab and a little crab and Love it. charming as fuck. Let's keep moving. Shall we keep moving? Moving, moving. Uh, who's next on our list here? Wow, we got a lot of people from our sort of realm, mm-hmm. don't we? God, our school, I guess, is pretty uh-huh. prolific at pumping out good artists. Uh, Renata Luska. Are you familiar with Renata? I am familiar with Renata, yes. I yeah. don't know Renata, but I'm familiar with Renata's work. I am fortunate enough to say that I would call Renata a friend, even though mm-hmm. we haven't seen each other as much since I've had kids. Uh, I feel like she is around because we have all of her books. Mm. Most famously, The Quiet Book and the follow-up, The Loud Book. Um and then the Solstice books that she's worked on alone. And then like Love is for Warring, which she worked on with her partner, Mike Kerr, who is an instructor at ACAD. Or Alberta uh, University A-U-Arts, of Arts, or whatever yeah. it's called. Now, did you have Mike for anything? No. He's one of uh, Fiona's teachers in, in BC. So getting to be sort of like friends with them has been uh, a pleasure. And uh, mm-hmm. her work is beautiful and soft. And if you look at it, it would... It is sort of separate from sort of what you expect from like more modern illustration work. Yeah. It's very classic looking, isn't it? Yeah. It's a lot of like pencil, crayon and stuff like that. And it's uh, it's so soft and so beautiful yeah, and so warm. Very gentle. Yeah. Very gentle in such a lovely way that like it has been one of our oldest like favorite go-to books all the time. And I love reading them. I feel like they're just full mm-hmm. of excitement and energy. In a soft way, it's hard to explain that. It it looks like you can reach out and you know when a cat is so fluffy and yeah. soft that it almost leaves a, a handprint. That's what those illustrations look like. Yeah, this is exactly right. Yeah, you could touch these and you can you can feel yeah. them just by looking at them. Uh, and it's it's so cool. A more recent title, the little book of big what what ifs, is a favorite of mine about all those like big worries that happen to a, a kid that maybe aren't as big. Oh, yeah. Just beautiful book, beautiful illustrator. And just one of the most lovely humans, like will send me messages with kids crafts that uh, she comes across. Cause she thinks maybe I'd like to do mm-hmm. that with our, our kids. It's so sweet. Uh, let's keep going because we have a huge fucking list. We've got a lot. Yeah. Uh, next up is another ACAD and, uh, and, and pal Kim Smith. Uh, who's Prince? Mm-hmm. Box of text. I have to say, please do say Kim Smith again. Don't know this person, but I love the Doctor Who 
illustrations that she did. Amazing. Yeah. She is so lucky. She's been working on all the, uh, these obviously skilled to mm-hmm. be lucky, but yeah, all these uh, wonderful pop series of books. Where yes. She's done Elf, The X-Files, E.T., and they're all lovely. But like my favorite books are, are the ones that uh, she sort of worked on herself, like Box of Text. And then there's another one that just came out that we haven't actually got yet. I ordered it. Yeah. But it's, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it now. It's called Cake Something. Baker. It's about a little kid baking and it's like right up our eldest son's alley. So I'm really excited to read that. Another really lovely person, just nice to know and a beautiful artist. So cool to know. Uh, Next on the list is another from me and it's David Roberts, who has worked on the Iggy Peck Architect book and the Ada Twist Scientist book. Those are some cool images. Like they remind me of those, like the cross sections of books, like where it was, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like a I ship was cut about. in half and then it showed you all the different yeah, parts of yeah. the ship. Or I can see You know that. what I mean? And I just thought like there's so many cool elements to those books. And especially I love anything that dives into the STEM world. So I love the the whole series. There is, it might sound a little bit surprising at first, but there is a, uh, well, my favorite illustrator, and I'm blanking on his name. This is going to piss me off. Oh, my God. Charlie Harper. Yes. Very Charlie Harper-esque. So if you look at, yeah, Charlie Harper's earlier, like, commercial illustration work, there is some similarities mm-hmm. here to some of the line work that he's doing. Uh, obviously, Charlie Harper worked moved into that like you know all those animals and like really geometric shapes later on and that's not what this is vibing mm-hmm. with but some of the earlier uh like commercial illustration work where it's like sparse color with lines over top like yeah yeah i see i can see it, that it does that for me yeah especially in the first book with iggy peck like it's uh yeah and this turns into a whole thing but it's lovely they're fun i enjoy reading these ones this is one where i actually like try to get our eldest to read these ones and he picks other books. I'm like, no, let's do the fun one. Yeah. Let's do the one I like tonight. Uh, but yeah, I really like that. And now it's a Netflix series or something. I forget. Mm-hmm. They all end up that way. Uh, the next one is one you're probably not familiar with, but Sandra Boyton. I am, you are. I, I am familiar with Sandra Boyton. Uh, I feel like if you have kids, you know Sandra Boyton's book. Uh, prolific as yep, fuck. Absolutely. Uh, Sandra Boyton. This really gives 90s vibes it's so 90s and there's a part of me as like an art student that wants to disparage the work sometimes because it feels so simple but i have come to just absolutely appreciate the simplicity of it it strikes me like the far side a little bit like those kind of like overly yeah yeah absolutely but i love i love it I love it. So she's like known for like greeting card illustrations and stuff like that as well. (laughs) That could see that. These are books that we go back to again and again. And you start to, as you read just like en masse kids book, appreciate the ones that sort of like you find something to them, a je ne sais quoi, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like there's something to this that like you understand it. You suddenly get it. You get what is so good about this. Um, But she has a couple titles like the going to bed book that I could just recite off memory at one point in in my parentage and uh probably my favorite there's this one called uh, i think it's hippos go berserk and it's just a delightful and there's like yeah there's like a little critter in there with all the hippos that basically looks like the Mm -hmm. monster from just for laughs titles but Mm -hmm. she's got just hundreds of books hundreds and uh you know the kids like them a lot there's something about them um 
there's definitely the ones that I like more. And there's definitely a few where I'm like, this is weird. And I don't understand what you're doing. Like I'm looking at you, but not the armadillo. Yeah. Calling that out. But yeah, it's uh it's a, it's something that you wouldn't, I, I guess I didn't expect myself to like so much just based mm-hmm. on sort of the simplicity of it, but it really, really does it really hits the spot. And I'm uh, happy to have found it. Uh, the next one, is this you or me? John Clausen. Everybody knows John Clausen. I think it's both of us. It's one of the most, he's one of the most prolific and famous sort of children's illustrators at this point. But again, that same kind of very sparse, simple style, mm-hmm. but kind of dark, early 90s, gothic style. I will say like... Caldecott Award winner, Governor's General, Greenway, Metal Leg. These, these are books. And he's Canadian. Winnipeg, I didn't Manitoba. That. Went to Sheridan College. The Skull is one of the greatest picture books so of all time. It's so good. Oh, Lex. The Skull is just like, it shouldn't work as a kid. <laughs> No. Book, but it absolutely does. And that's a lot of those of um, John Classen's books are that kind of like slightly morose. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Style. That's the perfect word for like it. Like the yeah. Edward Gorey kind of like. Mm. God, we got to do an episode on it. Edward Gorey at some point. Oh, yeah. But I just, I love John Classen. 10 stars, cross board, amazing. Love it. Yeah, the shapes. And the skull is like, if we're going to call out one book here while we're talking about this, the skull is one I think everyone should go pick up. It's like, you know, uh, not Scandinavian. What's the word I'm looking for? Eastern European sort of folklore, and it's kind, dark. Yeah, like it's, it's dark Slavic, and it's scary. Kind Slavic. of. Thank you. Yeah, it's that dark. Kind of... It's scary, and it's like appealing <laughs> as hell for some reason. If you've played one of the more recent Resident Evil games, where you're in that kind of like Eastern European town that's being haunted by the creatures, mm-hmm. it has that type of vibe where. You know, there's a child walking in the woods by and themselves. Something's gone wrong to We're this not child go into already. It. Yeah, yeah, like but they that's not to a it. part of the story. This child has had a problem. Something yeah. devastating has happened to them, and let's just move along. Yeah, and now there something even worse is going to happen. Yeah. or not, and that's where you pick up the story. And that's what I love about that kind of like yeah, like Slavic or even like Icelandic, um, Scandinavian style of like children need to work and deal with life's goods and bads (laughs) yeah like you're not getting out of it out there that's like you know children don't need to be told that there's dragons and monsters out there Mm -hmm. they know that but uh they need to be told through these stories that there is a solution for those things that they can be dealt with that you can win against them and that's very much what this book is like a scary thing happens but the little girl deals with it and it's great. Yeah, in a in wild an epic way. way. <laughs> epic, absolutely epic. Um, oh, yeah, that book is awesome. Uh, yeah, that's the one. Pick it up. John Clausen, if you don't know, now you yeah. know. Uh, Byron Eggschweil. I can't say your last name, Byron. I'm really sorry. Uh, I don't know him as well, but Fiona is a contemporary with him. I've met him a couple times, but he is another of that that sort of our class of uh, ACAD illustrators. And he does this wonderful book that I am going to lose my brain on right this second because I want to talk about it. Uh, it's called The Little Ghost Who Was a Quilt. <gasps> I've read this. I didn't realize this was it's a, so good. a U Arts person. Good for them. Yeah, That's yeah. Cool. Another one of our... I now realize how annoying I must sound to all those people that like when I would meet people who went to ACAD when it was ACA and they'd yeah. be like, ACA. And I'd be like, no, no. it's fucking called ACAD. <laughs> and now it's me. I'm the one. Uh, the Strangest Thing in the Sea is another one. These are great books because they're sort of weird. Yeah. And kids know that they're sort of weird and something weird is going on. And this illustration that Byron does is like teetering on sort of Victorian, I want to say. Yeah, I'd say very much. 
Victorian. It's got it's got that feel to it of like those old like children's illustrations that were always kind of like almost like three color or whatever mm-hmm. process printed stuff. It's just fantastic work. Absolutely lovely. But yeah, the little uh, ghost quilt. What am I? I'm having a hard time with it again. The little ghost who was a quilt. The little ghost who was a quilt. Is a book that is yeah. just beautiful. And The Strangest Thing in the Sea. Those are my two favorites from Byron. Check them out. We have to speed through this. Holy shit. I didn't realize how long our list was. We really do. We have a lot. Do you want to do two more? And then we could do like a a, a part three one day? Yeah, there's a couple that I really want to talk about. Okay. Let's just skip to the ones that you really want to talk like, about. There's even more contemporaries that are really good. I I'm know. just going to say them really so many good quickly. People. Like Matthew Forsyth, uh, Poco, Paco, Poco and the drum and like uh, the little mouse one, uh, Elise Gravel, another Canadian who's done like the mushroom fan club, the bug club, like mm-hmm. really cool and interesting illustration. Yeah. Uh, Phoebe wall is fantastic uh, out of Portland, uh, little witch hazel and Sonia's chickens in the blue house. And these are some books that deal mm-hmm. with some, some heavy feels like death and uh, loss of place at the same time as gentrification. And it's just like some heavy mm-hmm. books. Like these are books that make me cry when I read them, but just beautifully illustrated as well. Uh, Anita Jaram, who did like, guess how much I love you, which is like a huge, huge kid staple. Those are ones I want to call out, but I want to, I think there's worth talking about if we have a few more minutes. Yeah. Some of these other ones, Axel uh, Scheffler is one I really want to talk about. Axel Scheffler is the one who has worked on the Julia Donaldson sort of books collaborator uh, if you're not familiar with the Gruffalo, I love the Gruffalo. Oh, I know the Gruffalo. That was a popular you know one. The Gruffalo. Okay, I was worried. You pause for a second. No, because there's like the Gruffalo, the Gruffalo's Child, and then there's a whole bunch of what books that look like they're in the same universe. Right, because they're they're this collaboration between Julia Donaldson mm-hmm. and uh, Axel Scheffler, and I fucking love them. Stickman, the smartest giant in town. These are those books. Like again, we keep coming back to where yeah, these kids' books are always like there's just something a little almost sinister to them or morose or sad or dark and that's always when it's the best yeah when something's a little bit gross you know it's gonna be good room on the broom that's a good one uh like literally every one of these books is fantastic and there's just something unique and warm to the artistic style that axel scheffler uses that is beautiful the Garofalo was actually used in a workshop I took about children's picture books and how to become an illustrator for children's picture books. Side note, a lot of those courses are bullshit money grabs. Don't take them. I'm going to give you the secret right now, and we've already talked about it. Sit your ass down and draw. That's what's yeah. going to get you. Going to a workshop isn't going to help you unless you're at like the end stages and you just need like some specific advice. But anyway, the person running the workshop talked about how... I just want one quick addendum to that comment, which is that you can't just draw. You need to stop and analyze your work and try to figure out ways to improve as well. Because there's that idea that, you know, what is it, 10,000 hours or whatever, and you'll be an expert. But but if you're doing the wrong thing... That is wasted effort if you're not spending time reviewing. Like, you will get better either way, but like... You're going to find that your growth is much more satisfying to yourself if you stop and find ways to review your work and compare it to other work. Get feedback on it if you can. Yeah, and that's a difficult thing to do. But um, this person just talked about how the Garofalo was an example of like a near perfect children's picture book. The thing that I love about the Gruffalo on top of uh, Axel's work on it is uh, Julia Donaldson's writing. This is, uh, to me, her work is an example of like really thoughtful and interesting children's writing. Um, I find a lot of 
kids' books, especially modern ones, fall into the sort of A, B, A, C trap, which is like, I've done a rhyming couplet and that's all I'm going to do. And that bothers me, whereas there's some variation and some real poetry to the way that Julia Donaldson writes and it's fantastic Mm -hmm. and fun and it's fun to read. And that's something that I appreciate as somebody who spends a very significant amount of time reading kids' books. Has to read it over and over. They're lovely. Yeah. Um, next on the list is our, our second controversial one, which is Barbara Reed, Canada's own literary, in my mind, just royalty. Yep. What do you not like about Barbara Reed? I want to start by saying I'm, I'm sure she's a wonderful person. I do recognize That's like, good. we should caveat that on anybody that we should talk. I, it's not that I think that she's a bad person. I will go on record and say that Canada's little darling who's written The Handmaid's Tale and all those fucking terrible books. Margaret Atwood. I don't care for her. I think she's a C-word. A lot of people don't like no. Margaret Atwood. I liked, I liked her uh, Oryx and Craig series of books. I, I found them fun because I like the world building. But yeah, don't care. she seems like she might have uh, gone off the edge as a bit of a terrible person. She's a bag. So I'll go on the record with that one. Um, I'm sure she doesn't give a shit. She'll just use her money to dab her little eyes. So wait, what's the connection to Barbara Reed here? I don't get the hype. I don't get the hype about Margaret Atwood. I don't get the hype about Barbara Reed. Do I see that there's talent there? Sure. But to me, it looks like very touristy. Like you would buy that at like Banff Avenue. Like mom and mom and grandpa on on vacation in Yosemite National. Like I just find it so kitschy that I can't get there. So charming. I can't get there, Ben. Nobody works in plasticine yeah, anymore. Yeah, because it smells. It's petroleum <laughs> it smells. byproducts. Uh, you should try the Picture a Tree no. book. It is probably one I'm of my good. favorite ones that uh, highlights some of the fun charm of her work and a point where she describes these trees as being skeletons to these children, and it's one of my favorites. They're actually quite eerie in that part. <sighs> there's some images that I will say, like, I get. Like, they are. there's depth, there's beauty, there's... There's so much to them, but I'll also say I taught early childhood art classes and reading, and people love Barbara Reed for that because you give a kid a little, like, yogurt lid from the tub and then some plasticine, and then they make their own leaf. And I So you've got some bad associations about uh, children trying to uh, create their own Barbara Reed illustrations. Awful. And then you read the Barbara Reed book, and then you talk about it, and now we're going to go find a leaf, and now we're going to create the leaf. And it makes me want to barf. I think that is completely fair for you to have those feelings in that way. But I love Sing a Song of Mother Goose. Uh, the subway mouse is such a dope story about a little rat that yeah. goes on a basically like RPG style adventure. There's one where it's like got a cow on the cover and I find it so unsettling. Oh, the new baby. Sure. It's just, it's creepy. No, the new baby calf. That's what it's called. Uh, they actually, uh, when you bring a baby home from the hospital, you get a Barbara Reed book. It's called, uh, what is it called? Read me a book, I think is the one. <sighs> I like the idea of Barbara Reed. I get why people love her, mm-hmm. but I, I can't. I can't. I'm sorry, Barbara. You can't separate her from those terrible lessons of illustration that you've I'm had to sorry. give to kids. I'm sorry, Babs. Oh, it's God. okay. It's good. I was able to take my swing at Oliver Jeffers for looking hey. too manufactured. Uh, like a little like a little sea pirate. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Have you ever been on a boat, Oliver? I bet he has, Ben. I bet he's a wonderful seaman. Probably. He does look... He, <laughs> Oh, I bet he knows all about semen. Uh, it's fun to laugh. Hey ho. 
It's fun to love. Let's move okay. on to somebody we like. Uh, this is the last one I think on our list that we're yep. going to talk about. We'll move on. Uh, this is a lot of illustration talk, but Michael Marchenko yeah. um, from Robert Munch uh, collaboration and fame. Yeah. And this is one I think is a good one to end on because I love Michael Marchenko's work. I think it's beautiful. I think it's interesting. I think it's got a lot to it. And one of the big things about this is that I think uh, he carries those books, uh, those Robert Munch books. Absolutely. I agree with you. I think yeah. they end up being a lot less without his work. And I have read some of the more recent Robert Munch books without Michael Marchenko on them, and they are nowhere near Not as charming. The same. No, I truly like when I think of Robert Munch, I think of Michael Marchenko's images, right? Like it's a hundred percent. That's what you see in your head, right? Like even just that image of, of yes. Robert Munch himself from like something good, that like sort of autobio story where his kids are trying to get all the goodies from the grocery there store. Was, um, like four or five books that sum up my childhood, like Mortimer, where he sings in bed and he mm, won't go to bed. Absolutely. Um, David's father, yeah. who's a giant who can't be quelled because he's constantly eating. Um, Thomas's mm -hmm. snowsuit is such a good yeah, one. I have, I have to, to, go. to go. Something good where they're in the grocery store eating all the food. I mean, the most famous, the very first is the paper bag princess before one he's even really solidified best. his style. That was one of the greatest children's picture books. Absolutely. Uh, dare I say Canadian books ever. Because so good. the message is so good too from that era of uh, an era where we're just sort of starting to like realize that women can do things other than become yeah. nurses, uh, teachers, and, and stay-at-home moms. Yeah. But like goes through the effort of saving this, this poncy little prince and then he's like, you look dirty. And she's like, you know what? <laughs> Fuck you. I don't care. I've been through hell. I've been fighting a dragon for you, you dumb shit. Yes, summon, you son of a bitch. And then, oh, you're you're dirty. Like, oh. Well, you don't look like a princess. Oh, you know what? Go to hell. It. Yeah. You think of Robert Munch, you think of Mar Michael Marchenko's work. Like, and again, like those rosy-cheeked, happy yeah. little kids. And the other thing, too, like to me, it's like watching Degrassi because so many of those illustrations were Canada. They're multicultural there's mm -hmm. usually mm -hmm. like, but everybody's kind of getting along. It's cold as shit outside. Everyone's got <laughs> yeah. kind of like mismatched mittens and socks and stuff on. I just love and it. And they have a sense of place that is very Canada. There's a uh, a book. Oh, I'm trying to remember which one it is. It's a Halloween book where the kid like basically makes his face so scary that people pass out and then he takes all their candy from their houses. <laughs> so there's that, that great through line of children's yeah. books that we love where there's something sort of maybe a little bit off or dark oh. going on. And, you know, credit to Robert Munch for writing those, but like real credit to Michael yeah. Marchenko for selling those. But there, that book is set in, I, it looks like Hamilton, Ontario, and it is very unromantic. They do look very Ontario. Like the background to this neighborhood is, it's a bunch of freaking manufacturing plants and smokestacks and stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, 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 man. Like you did it. You took this sense of place and you made it part of like a charming story and like this is just where this person lives and this is their life and the parents look like a little bit haggard like their dad's <laughs> bald the mom's like got sweatpants on the parents in all of these books always look how i feel <laughs> yeah and then there's a couple that you're right they're dark there's the mermel 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 where there's like a baby mermel 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 is so weird so weird like there's a baby in a hole in the sandbox or in the backyard and can you imagine 
imagine somebody else illustrating that? Like she no. gives the baby away to a trucker at the end and you're just like, what? yes. And like, it's cute and charming because Michael Marchenko makes it not seem like yeah. the darkest fucking thing that's ever happened. There's a, a couple ones that like, um, the mud puddle one or the dark or something. Pedantic producer Jess interjection. Mud Puddle was published in 1996 and was illustrated by Sammy, I'm going to screw this name up, Sumalainen. And The Dark was published in 1997, and that one was illustrated by Michael Martachenko. I'm assuming maybe he and Michael Martachenko hadn't met yet. I don't really know. But anyway, very similar books kind of deal with similar topics. But he has both books, The Dark and Mud Puddle, in his discography. But in his discography, I don't know. I guess that's not what you call it for an illustrator. But anyway, illustrated by two different people, just to clarify. The train station in the apartment one is one oh, that I love. Oh, that's another great one. And people are like, like it's so weird. Yeah. And There's it's a subway awesome. stop behind his wall. Jonathan cleaned up, then he heard a sound. The turkey one. What's the night riding turkey one? Oh, I don't think I know that one. I, Where the kid goes for like a nighttime adventure with these like psychotic. Oh, midnight money van. Yeah, with the psychotic the like biker yeah. turkeys. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many great ones. Yeah, hey? you think of these books and you think of Michael Marchenko's work way more than you think of like, and Robert Munch gets all of the sort of like, you know, the accolades for these. But like, we know we went to art school and we're also comic artists and illustrators. Yeah. Like, we understand the storytelling that happens in these pictures. Like, he is filling in the blanks so much, and just the most epic, adorable, like loving way to that. I, I always hoped that they were friends because... Oh, I wonder. I heard uh, Munch had a Coke problem for a while. I've, I've heard that Mr. Munch is a, a has bipolar, manic depression, something around that. Oh, I did not know that. And just that doesn't necessarily surprise me because a lot of like entertainers and children's picture book and writers mm. struggle with mental health. But I just always hoped, and I kind of don't want to know, but I always hoped that they were buds and that like they would talk about these pictures and they would have coffee and just have great conversations about like, wouldn't it be awesome if David's father was a giant and was just like constantly eating like these giant things. I always get the vibe that basically Robert Munch talked to a kid for like two minutes and took everything they said stream of consciousness (laughs) and then turned it into a book. And then did you ever notice that the kids in each book are always the kids that are also dedicated? The books are dedicated to them as well. Like the character. Yeah. Uh, the boy in the drawer is one that like threads that oh, super yes. creepy needle really heavily. You're like, right. I forgot. Like the little, the like, little why person. The fuck is he there? And he's kind of like he looks like a little an like urchin from like newsboy from the turn Dickens of the century. Times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> super creepy. Pigs is another great one. Um, mm-hmm. And what's the other one? Oh god, there's just so many. There's we could just so keep going on ones. and on. But Michael Marchenko. If you ever happen to listen to this podcast, I want you to know you carried Robert Munch, not the other way around. We love you, Michael. And I bet you know it already, too. Yeah, he's got to. That's a good way out. That's our our way out. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, all you illustrators. Uh, We love love you. you. Uh, Until next time, uh, draw, 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 draw. Art, art. (laughs) Good enough. (laughs) We'll see you next time on Dork Matters. Thanks for listening to Dork Matters. If you like the podcast, subscribe, give us a rating, and tell your friends about us. If you are a fellow dork and have a dork issue that you think we need to discuss, 
tell us on our social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. You can also check out original art and other content from Ben and myself. We'd like to say a big thank you to Yabra for the use of our theme song, Dance, off of their Astral EP, as well as a thank you to Jess Schmidt for producing and editing our podcast. Thanks, Jess. Dork Matters. This podcast is created on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Nations, which includes the Sigzika, the Begaini, and the Gaina. We also acknowledge the Stony Nakoda Nation, Sutena, and Métis Nation Region 3.